The Sons of Liberty is a politically neutral organization. We believe that the Judeo-Christian ethic has provided the principles upon which this nation was founded. It is our belief that these principles provide not only the foundation and framework for American government and society, but are also essential to the maintenance of a fair and just society. All program content is based on a Christian biblical worldview. One of you said to me recently that we shouldn't rock the boat. Well, ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you that I am a boat I will not wear the mask. 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 I will not wear a mask. I will not get the vaccine. I will not get the vaccine. And I will not get the vaccine. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will resist evil. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. I will submit to God. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust, and I will not be afraid. Hear my prayer, O Lord, and let my cry come to you. Do not hide your face from me in the day. For the Lord is the great God, and the great King above all. Rise up, O judge of the earth. Render punishment to the proud. Lord, how long will the wicked, how long will the wicked chime? Righteousness and justice are the foundation of this I hate the work of those who fall away. my mouth I will make known your faithfulness to all generations. For I have said, mercy shall be built up forever, your faithfulness you shall stand. On an instrument of ten strings, on the lute and on the harp, with harmony sound. For you, O Lord, have made me glad through your works. I will you, triumph Lord, in the works of you. are on high forevermore. For behold, your enemies shall perish. All the workers of iniquity shall be scattered. I will defy tyrants. 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 And good morning, America. Welcome, Christians, conservatives, constitutionalists, liberals, libertarians, communists, Islamists, LGBTQ, RSTV, WXYZ people, all the boat rockers are in the house, and anybody else I may have missed to the Sons of Liberty radio show here on Red State Talk Radio where we use the Bible and the Constitution not to see who's on the right or the left, but who is on the straight and narrow. I'm your host, Tim Brown, coming to you live from the U.S.-occupied state of South Carolina, the editor at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and for our Muslim friends, I'm the infidel that Allah warns about. I hold to the book, the Bible, as the authoritative word of God. Glad that you guys have joined us here this morning. If you'd like to check us out online, please do so, SonsOfLibertyRadio.com and also SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. In fact, if you're listening, <clears throat> excuse me, by the way of Red State Talk Radio, and you want to watch the video portion of the radio show. That's right. You can see the face that's made for radio. Head over to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com, and you'll see two videos on the top of the page. The one on the left is Bradley's show from yesterday, and you can play that and watch it up until 3 p.m. Eastern today, at which time he'll go live. And then on the right side of the page is where we're streaming live. Just click on the play button, blow it up on your device, and then the right hand, bottom right-hand corner There'll be a Rumble icon. Click on that and you can join us in the chat over on Rumble. We're also streaming live on Rumble at Sons of Liberty Radio Live. We're streaming um, live on BeforeIt'sNews.com, top of the page there. 
We're also on DLive.tv at The Sons of Liberty. And as other things become available to where we can hit it in one stream. Oh, by the way, we let me just do this right quick because I forgot to do it while we were playing all that jumpy, pumpy Friday music here. And um, we're streaming live on our Telegram channel. So if you're on Telegram, uh, you can pick that up. We, we stream there as well. Um, so those are the outlets you can do that. But you can always find us here on SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. So guys, listen, <laughs> if you can't find us on anything else, go to SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. That's where you can find us. Okay, pretty simple. Um, and then right up under that is where you can sign up for our email newsletter. Please do that and uh, help us out. Help us get the word out from some of the articles we have. I'm going to highlight some of the headlines here in just a moment. Also, uh, if you agree with our message and you would like to help us out, um, we are dependent upon your support. I mean, sadly, in this world, you have to have money to do things. Um, this isn't padding anybody. Believe you me, it certainly isn't padding me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just not. Um, I, I get cracked up when people say, "Oh, you're 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 a controlled opposition, and somebody's buying you off a bit." You got Soros, but uh, trust me, guys. You look in my bank account; you'll not think that you won't. E that won't even enter your mind. Anyway, <laughs> um, the donate button is at the top of SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. You can click on that, make a one-time donation, or you can partner with us monthly as a son or daughter of Liberty. And that link is also available. Our store is available and we have lots of products in there that are good conversation starters or equipping tools uh, for the body of Christ. And this week we're highlighting the resistance to tyranny is obedience to God coffee mugs. And these are normally $15, uh, but this week only through tomorrow, Saturday at midnight, you can get 15% off by using the promo code OBEY. OBEY gets you 15% off. If you've been wanting one of these, they're nice looking mugs. Um, so, uh, yeah, if you're interested in doing that, Obey gets you 15% off, but that's only through Saturday at midnight. So if you want to do that, you need to do it quickly. Real quickly, so there's some headlines here uh, because I got a lot of stuff and I'm hoping to cram it into the hour. If we go over a little bit, we'll go over, but uh, I'm hoping to cram at least the gist of what's going on here uh, in the Southern Baptist Convention within the hour. Okay. Um, headlines from SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Toxologist issues warning. COVID shot destroying female reproductive systems and killing kids. Now, we've been reporting on this kind of stuff anyway. We reported on the sterilization. You remember, I think it was the first time we had Dr. Carrie Midday on the show, and she warned about sterilization. And all of the Mockingbird media, all of the fact checkers, oh, there's nothing in these shots that will sterilize women or men or blah, 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 blah. And she's like, here it is. <laughs> and she's been proven to be right. And this is an interview that our friend Alex Newman, who's now a contributor at Sons of Liberty, thank God for that, uh, did with Dr. Jancy Lindsay. So you can watch this at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Also, the dirty little secret, Representative Sean Caston. Did you guys hear this? I made mention of it the other day, that his daughter, she was 17 years old. I, I just... You know what? Writing this writing this article, I felt for for Representative Caston the way I felt for Scott uh, Shara. You have teenage daughters and their life's gone. You you don't have them anymore. Um, he's a man who promoted wicked things, LGBT, uh, abortion, BLM, and his daughter was promoted. She was walking right in his footsteps. He promoted the shots. 
He used my word. He called it the staffers who wouldn't take the shot knuckleheads. He would never um, hire anybody who wouldn't do it. Um, and the media has not told you the cause of death, hasn't made mention of the fact that she took a shot. This was his response for those of you watching on the video platform. Um, this was his response. And everything I'm telling you is right here in the article. You can verify it yourself. And um, you get down through here, and not only is he, did he take the shot? See, he used my term knuckleheads, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to copyright that or something. I don't know. I'm just teasing. Um, but you can clearly see he was a guy, he, was, he got his vaccination, he got his shot, he, got his, he wore his mask, he led his family in it. This is him and his wife and his girls. And this is his wife's post. Now, is anybody going to assume that his daughter didn't get it when she's pushing the same junk he was pushing, when both parents are doing it and doing all these things? Is anybody going to assume this young lady didn't have the shot? Yeah, I didn't think so. And yet the media hasn't even brought this up with regards to this story. Neither has a representative uh, cast. And in fact, I called three of his offices yesterday. Do you know there was not one living person to answer the phone nor return my call? I just said, can you confirm or deny that Gwen, that's his, that's his daughter, took the shot? And he, nobody's even answering the phone. Nobody's returning calls, anything. I think this is a big deal, okay? Because you got a guy out there pushing this as safe and effective, and he's pushing all the other uh, you know, wickedness that we've been involved in for quite a while now. He, he's doing that. And yet, this part is not being brought up anywhere. In fact, in alternative media, I could maybe there's some people out there, but I think I found one outlet that even began to try to address this. So... SonsOfLibertyMedia.com if you want to see that for yourself. Also, Treasonous Pentagon admits they've been funding 46 biolabs in Ukraine, quote, for defense. Now, if you remember when I brought this up before, we had the documents from the early 2000s where they were spending, I think it was $15 million of our money unconstitutionally to, quote, unquote, secure all these bioweapons that they had in the Ukraine. They weren't going to develop them. They were going to secure them. They weren't going to destroy them. Right? And they're going to give you all the example, all the excuses of why they're doing this. It's for the good of the world, blah, 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 blah. And you know it's not. You know they're using these against people. So you can check that out also at SonsOfLibertyMedia.com. Also, collateral damage from COVID lockdowns and gun control showdown in the Senate. This is the latest from Chuck Baldwin if you want to check that out. An officer mistakes broken glass for gunfire and shoots unarmed, mentally ill Michigan man in the buttocks who needed help. The guy broke glass trying to get out of his house. Okay, now what the reason was, I don't know. The guy obviously had some issues in his cognitive abilities, okay? But when you watch the video of this, you'll see this guy, he gets shot and the guy's like, he was coming towards me. Well, if he's coming towards you, how do you shoot him in the rear end? I, I just, I'd like to understand how that works. Because, I mean, do you have, a, do you have one of uh, uh, Arlen Specter's magic bullets? Is that what went on? You shot it off the tree and it hit him in the butt? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how that happens. Um, but uh, at least the police condemned the, the action. I, look, I get it. 
when you look at the video, you hear some loud sounds. To me, it doesn't sound like a gunshot, but it's it's a loud noise, sudden and, and things. And I can understand officers being cautious. I can understand that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I don't understand the explanation. It's kind of like the explanation of the Patriot Front Group. Do you guys see that? I meant to have the video out uh, because Captain Carl, who's been on the show many times, uh, sent me a video. This guy on Rumble, I think it is. I, I don't know who he is. I've seen him several times. Jimmy Dore, I think was his name or whatever. It was interesting. If you go back and watch that, it, you stick 31 guys in a U-Haul. They all couldn't get in a carpool and you know take a couple of cars to this event. They didn't have any weapons. Okay? There were no guns, no knives. They had shields. They said they found one smoke it's really, you know, you call it a smoke bomb, whatever. It's, it's not destructive. Smoke grenade is what they call it. But they have all these guys on the ground. <laughs> Don't have their masks off. Not showing you who they are. You know they would have pulled that off to start identifying them. They've got the little zip ties around their arms. They're all there. One guy's got a backpack on. You know they would have robbed him of that. They would have took anything out of their pockets, any of this kind of stuff when they made the arrest. And then all the police officers are not facing them like guarding them. They're all faced away towards the camera for the photo op. Now, if that Patriot front group there isn't a bunch of federal agents, I don't know what is. And, and you can say I'm a conspiracy theorist all you want to. I'm convinced that is nothing more than playing the American people. And look, it's going after militia. Let me ask you something. I, it doesn't matter if these guys are in riot gear. It doesn't matter if they had a shield. Okay? The fact of the matter is they had not committed any crime, nor could they show intent for it. Where's their weapons? But they'll let a pride parade go on with sodomites in the street, more than likely violating Idaho law. I, I didn't look up Idaho law for uh, sodomy. More than likely violating Idaho law, but they're going to go after these pretend patriot groups. And they are pretend because there's no way, there's just no way these are an actual militia group. Guarantee you, mo all of them, or maybe just a little bit short of all of them, are federal agents. I, I No doubt in my mind. This is all a mock-up. Uh, it looks like something CNN would do. Um, you know, when they fabricate news. That's exactly what it looks like to me. Anyway, so sonslibertymedia.com, one last one. More major disasters hit U.S. food production. Are you prepared for what comes next? Now, this is going to lead into something here. I want to play this short little video. This is a, a woman who um, is, is on a farm. Excuse me, that's not it. If you haven't seen this, I'm going to have to block out like the last word she says. But I want you just to hear what she has to say here. Take a listen. We got in a conversation today and the woman, honestly, I bless her heart, honestly thinks that food prices are not going to go up. She thinks that this is the highest they're going to go. I tried to explain to her that that was not the case, that they are absolutely going to go up even more. Um, and I told her there are things that like we have to buy. There's something we had to buy that two years ago cost us $24. Last year was about 46. This year it is costing us $96. Okay. Local farmer, 50 had a cattle. It's costing him eight thousand dollars a month to feed them please understand food prices are going to go up 
you want to act like it's the farmer's fault. It is not the farmer's fault. We're barely making it to grow the stuff. So you guys are able to get it in August, September, October. Okay, guys, this is not going away. Stop sticking your head in the sand and thinking, oh, it's going to be okay. It's not going to. Oh! All right, so there you go. It's, she says it's, oops, excuse me, it's not going to be okay. If you think it's going to be okay, it's not. Um, and I, boy, I, I would worry myself to death um, with the situation even our family's in, but I can't do that. Uh, Christ tells us not to worry about tomorrow. We've got enough struggle for today. And I say, Lord, you know, you know what we have need of provide for us. I don't know how he's going to provide for us, uh, but I have to put my hope and trust in the Lord. And if I don't have that, I mean, because I know myself, I have no ability to provide in the means that I see coming that we're going to need. Um, and I pray for you guys that, uh, you know, you've picked up some things that we've had on the preparation show so that you can start preparing uh, there if you haven't already. Many of you have been doing that for some time. And, uh, and I'm grateful to God that he's been doing that in your life. Also, this one here is, uh, some of you have seen it, the uh, cows that have uh, these 3,000 cows. I mean, and I don't know how they got in this, these little squares. I guess they died and they drugged the cows in here and left them. That's all I can figure. Um, it's not overly hot. Some people say it's direct energy weapons. Some people say it's 5G. Uh, our friend Danson Dave. <laughs> I'm going to call it. I'm just going to uh, joke with him about that. We talked yesterday and he said his deer were acting a little strange. And he wondered if that was um, 5G that was acting on them. And uh, I, I really, I don't know, but that's a lot of meat right there. In one place, that's a lot of meat right there that is just it's gone and then you combine it with these uh fires that are destroying these food facilities um don't tell me they may be using arsonists uh some people have suggested that some of these these food plants that are being burned that what they're doing is they can't keep going because of the costs and everything and so they're they're burning it down they're burning it down to get the insurance money. Now, that may be. That may be. I'm not going to put it past, you know, men to do things like that. Um, or there could be issues of direct energy weapons that are used, just like they were using them in California. And if you tell me there aren't direct energy, then you're going to have to explain to me how it can burn one car right beside another and everything around it, but not that one. Or how it can burn right down the middle of a house, but not the whole house. The whole thing... You know, what we're being told and what's going on are two different stories. They, ju they just are. Okay. And if you don't get that, you're not paying attention. You're just, you're not paying attention. Um, okay. So that's the videos I've got for you today. There'll be some bonus videos a little later on. A lot of these, let me let you, let you know, uh, they come through our, our Telegram channel. And we've got some people in there who share really a lot of great information. Some of it gets a little kooky, but m for the most part, it's really good, some good information. A lot of them are videos, a lot of them are, you know, stories and or articles that have been written and things of this nature. Uh, but that's Sons of Liberty on Telegram. If you want to join in there, we'd love to have you over. And then there's another one I'll, I'll make mention of that, that I've really found uh, valuable, and that is this guy, Just a Dude, okay? Um, <laughs> his uh, Telegram channel has some really good stuff on it. 
usually that come in there and um and i've you know grabbed some videos there and I'll, I'll upload them just so we can hopefully preserve them uh on on my personal rumble channel uh, so that it's there all right now with that said our friend suzanne hamner who um is you know many of you guys probably want an update with suzanne and i, I don't feel like i should be providing all that except just to say she's caring for her mother and uh and they you know request your prayers and they're thankful for those of you who continue to remember them uh but suzanne called me up the other day and she said i got something i want to send you uh, if you have not seen it and i said well no i've not seen it and it was to deal with the uh, southern baptist convention and uh it comes from guideposts and i just remember guidepost i never read it uh, but it was, I guess it's like a devotional or something. That's that's what I wanted to remember it was. If I'm wrong on that, forgive me. Um, but they did a independent investigation into allegations of sexual abuse, sexual misconduct, and, and things of this nature with the Southern Baptist Convention. Now, if you remember when we had Kerry Gordon on, the film Enemies Within the Gate, which you can see or you can purchase on DVD at Enemies Within not enemies within the gate, enemies within the church.com, excuse me. And uh, you can go there and you can either watch it or you can purchase it. And I'd highly recommend that you take a look at it uh, to see what was going on there. Now, personally, I was ordained in the Southern Baptist Church. My father is a Southern Baptist pastor. Um, I have a lot of friends who've been in the Southern Baptist Convention. And so I don't want to say anybody in Southern Baptist Convention is just, blah, blah, blah. That's that's not how things work. That's never usually how things work, okay? But the convention itself has set itself up for this kind of stuff. Um, you've got guys in there like Tom Askell with the Founders Ministry who are trying to you know, bring the true gospel back into the Southern Baptist Convention years ago, maybe 20 years ago, 25 years ago. I read a piece by a guy who said the Southern Baptist Convention was largely a convention of unregenerate people. Why? Because they had not been given the true gospel. And it was, you know, it was the Billy Graham, oh, won't you come? And won't you affirm the Romans road, you know, to salvation? And then you pray this prayer after me, right? That, that's not salvation. That's not, that's not the, the Spirit of God pricking the heart. That's not the, the, Him driving them to the cross. That's not what that is. So I, I'm not really surprised when these things come up, but let me just read you, and I'm going to do a, a quite a bit of reading here, both out of the scripture and out of the report. But let me read you what uh, Guidepost wrote following their investigation, okay? Dear SBC family, thank you for the resolve you showed last year at the annual meeting and an overwhelming vote to address sexual abuse in the SBC with determination. Thank you for showing your commitment by providing funding that allowed a world-class organization like Guidepost Solutions to conduct a thorough and independent investigation report. We're grateful for the excellent work that Guidepost has completed, as well as their gracious financial accommodation to our budget. Oh, yeah. Hmm. <laughs> we are, it's always about the money there, isn't it? Uh, we are grateful and sobered that the convention entrusted the task force with managing this very sensitive but necessary assignment. Now, understand, this is the same convention that came back and warned against Freemasonry that it was not Christian, and they rejected the recommendations to deal with that seriously. 
This is the same one that did this years ago, okay? As a task force, we grieve for what has been revealed in this report. We lament on behalf of survivors for how they have not been protected and cared for as they deserve and as God demands. With broken hearts, we want to lead the way by publicly repenting for what has happened in our convention. That's a that's a good thing. I mean, what's being said here is good. We implore our Southern Baptist family to respond to this report with deep repentance and a commitment to the ongoing moral demands of the gospel as it relates to sexual abuse. We must resolve to give of our time and resources to not only care, uh, care well for survivors of sexual abuse, but to provide a culture of accountability, transparency, and safety as we move forward. We acknowledge that any act of repentance requires ongoing, deliberate, dedicated obedience and sacrifice. This is the calling of our Savior to unite, to unite as a body in following after Him. As we are brought face to face with the sin that has been done, especially in the name of Christ, and in our own community, we can be tempted to want to minimize what has happened or to look only at the most obvious wrong actors. We must resist the temptation to minimize, to look away, to find the easy scapegoats for what was uncovered in this report, and instead ask, what could we have done better, and what should we do now? As a convention, we did not hold our own leaders accountable. Excuse me. We did not hold our own leaders accountable, and we did not listen to the warnings. Leaders had access to expertise, but chose not to seek assistance, and in some cases rejected any assistance that was offered. On April 4th, 2022, the SATF met with the, that's that task force, uh, met with leaders and state task force members from many of the SBC state conventions to open a dialogue and receive feedback for what they need to be properly resourced. The SATF recognizes that most churches will not call Nashville when there is a sex abuse crisis in the local church, but will instead look to state and local leaders for help. With that in mind, several of our forthcoming formal recommendations will be targeted to assisting local and state associations. Those formal motions and recommendations will be published between now and the upcoming convention in Anaheim, but here are a few initial needs your sexual abuse task force has identified. And then they give a few bullet points here, um, five of them, in fact. So let me give you those real quickly, and then we're going to look at the report, at least the summary of it. And I'll have the, I'll have the full um, report there, and I'll have another one that w they weren't going to publish, but it is made available. Um, so they're, they're going to have to, um, uh, you'll, you'll have to look at that in the archive, sonsoflibertymedia.com later on today. Okay, But here's the five bullet points they give the things they've identified. We recommend that an abuse reform implementation task force by, I mean, this, I, I got to tell you, when you read this, it reads like, you ever, you ever seen um, when you have a government entity investigate something in the government and they come and they say, well, here's, here's our recommendations, right? You, you find out uh, the FBI didn't, didn't find out any of these terrorists. And now we're seeing them faking terrorism, right? Uh, and so you get uh, somebody from the FBI says, well, we have these recommendations. Like, you get to investigate yourself, right? That's, it's, like, it's like internal affairs. And look, I, I understand some of you guys have out there have been in internal affairs, maybe done a good job. I don't know. I just think it's ludicrous to be investigating yourself. Like, I, I just do. Anyway. It sounds like a government response rather than a biblical response to these things, okay? But here's, here's what they have to say. We, rec we recommend 
that an abuse reform implementation task force be appointed by the next SBC president to assist with the implementation of reform initiatives in our convention for a period of three years. This task force will evaluate all recommendations by guideposts and bring a report at next year's convention on recommended reforms. <laughs> oh, man. This task force will also work with, we're going to wait another year. This task force will also work with the executive committee to create and maintain a process that will work within our Baptist polity for alerting the community to the presence and activity of credibly accused offenders, including the establishment of a ministry check website. Additionally, this task force will work with and resource the credentials committee to help them function more effectively, including formalizing and improving their processes, procedures, and standard principles of cooperation. The task force and executive committee will take steps to establish a relationship with an, in, with an independent firm to assist the credentials committee in their work. We recommend that the executive committee hire a subject matter expert or experts to receive calls, provide initial guidance for reports of sexual abuse, and work with state conventions for training and educational opportunities. We recommend that all entity boards and standing committees have training regarding sexual abuse prevention and survivor care, as well as background checks as part of their uh, orientation and selection. We recommend that IMB, NAMB, and our six SBC seminaries, I, I, don't, I don't know what those things are. Anyway, I know what the seminaries are, but not the others, require formal preparation for their denominational workers and students in regard to prevention training and survivor care. We recommend that the executive committee set aside a budget and hire a salaried staff person for the credentials committee. I mean, does this sound like what the Bible actually says to do here? I mean, does, is that what it sounds like it? No, it doesn't sound like you form committees and you you pay people to do these things. This is not what it is. In fact, I was going to wait and um, and deal with this a little later, but I I, I do want to bring this up. Look at look at what uh, Galatians chapter six has to say, brethren. If a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, form a committee. Get somebody on a paid salary. Get task force. Make recommendations. That's not what it says. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself lest thou also be tempted. Bear you one another burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. For if a man think himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceiveth himself. But let every man prove his own work, and then shall he have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For every man shall bear his own burden. Okay. Now that doesn't mean that there aren't times um, in in the church we were in previously. Not only that was that done, but there had to be because of the seriousness of what was discovered, it had to be turned over to the local sheriff and the entire pre as many uh, churches that were in the presbytery and in the in South Carolina. We notified them of what had taken place because the guy just kept doing it. And, and they, we, we looked to discipline him and counsel him and stuff. Uh, but we let them know. And when the gentleman went over to North Carolina and we found out about, we let them know. Um, but every effort was made to 
not open up the wound to the sense of going out to the news and everything like that, but to actually deal with it both spiritually and as a criminal matter too, because it was. And this is what Paul's saying. He's not saying you have to do up all this stuff because all of that stuff in the Southern Baptist Convention is not going to do anything. It's not going to do anything. And I'll tell you why. The first, the Southern Baptist Convention has a really bad statement of faith. It's, it's not a biblical statement of faith. There are elements of it that are biblical, but it's not a biblical statement of faith. The second thing that they have going for them is they want to just claim church autonomy. Well, I believe, you know, where the church gathers locally should be autonomous. But instead of like what Rome does, where they have the many churches and they go to one guy, okay, the, 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 at least the Presbyterian form of government, which, by the way, is largely where we divide, derived our U.S. government, is going from uh, the, the one to the many. So you go from the local church to many. You have sessions, you have the presbytery uh, that's there. And so you, ha you have a means and they have a statement of faith. Whereas if you're not holding to that statement of faith um, as, a, as a, a pastor, as a teacher, as an elder or a deacon within the church, you, you, get, you get disciplined over that. It's a serious thing of what you're holding to, what you're teaching and such. And of course, you know, how we behave as well. So, so all of those things are there. But the Southern Baptist Convention does not have that, nor do, I mean, as long as you're giving the money every year, you can still come to the, the convention, you can still vote, you can still do all these things. It has nothing to do with your statement of faith. And look, there are many, I'm not exaggerating when I say it, there are many Southern Baptist missionaries on the mission field who don't have the true saving gospel. They just, they're, they're like the Pharisees who travel land and sea to make one convert. And Jesus says, you make them more, twice the son of hell. Okay. So, so they don't have a saving gospel that they're, they're, many of them are giving. Now, some do, some do. Uh, and I, I reference people like Tom Askell or, or um, uh, Nettles was the guy who used to be in there. I don't know if he's, I don't even know if he's still alive now, but some of those guys do have a saving gospel and they've been in the midst of that trying to call the SBC to repentance just over the gospel issue. Not even, not even this. So here's the report that come out. This is from Guidepost. Um, and uh, maybe this Guidepost Solutions is not what I thought it was. <laughs> maybe it's not that little magazine. But anyway, that's, a, that's immediately what I thought it was. It's called the Southern Baptist Convention Executive Committee's Response to Sexual Abuse Allegations and an Audit of the Procedures and Actions of the Credentials Committee. And you'll see it's 288 pages uh, long. But I just want to kind of give you some of the summary of what they've got here. And then we're going to go to Scripture and we're going to, we're going to look at, okay, well, again, is this what the Bible says should be done? It says, for almost two decades, survivors of abuse and other concerned Southern Baptists have been contacting the SBC uh, Executive Committee to report child molesters and other abusers who are in the pulpit or employed as church staff. They made phone calls, and, and that and church staff, they would, they would say, goes with um, uh, those in seminary, professors in seminary or stuff like that. Okay, And by the way, just keep in mind when we get to this one portion that when we were doing enemies within the church, a lot of that focused on Southern Seminary, where Al Mohler was a part of it, where he has done, you know, basically apostatized on the issue of sodomy. 
Um, and they have also taken on um, critical race theory and things of these nature, this nature. So all of this is going hand in hand. Okay. And, and this is why th these reforms that they have are not really reforms. They may sound good, but in my estimation, it's just going to be more cover up of what's going on. Okay. Uh, but that's my opinion. Anyway, here's what it says. They made phone calls, mailed letters, sent letters, or sent emails, appeared at SBC and EC meetings, held rallies, and contacted the press, only to be met time and time again with resistance, stonewalling, and even outright hostility from some within the EC. And we, we heard the one gentleman who had repented of his, uh, of his uh, um, sin of, of sodomy, and he was I think he was teaching or he was a part of the faculty there at Southern, and when he began calling out some of the stuff that was going on there, I mean, they berated him. They attacked him. They, they lied about him. It wasn't just that they said, oh, you're a bad person. They lied about him as a person. Okay? And why? All because Al Mohler abandoned his position on that. Our investigation revealed that for many years, a few senior uh, EC leaders along with outside counsel, largely controlled the EC's response for these reports of abuse. They closely guarded information about abuse allegations and lawsuits, which were uh, not shared with EC trustees and were singularly focused on avoiding liability for the SBC to the exclusion of other considerations. In service of this goal, survivors and others who reported abuse were ignored, disbelieved, or met with the constant refrain from the SBC could take no action due to its polity regarding church autonomy. See, there's, there's your problem. There's your problem. A church is not autonomous in and of itself just completely. Take, for example, if you go to Acts chapter 15, what went on there? They had established, they established churches among the Gentiles, right? In Asia Minor, Galatia, uh, Philippi, Corinth, all, all these churches that were established. And so when there came a dispute, uh, you've, got, you've got these Judaizers who come along and they've said, nope, you got to have faith in Christ and you have to keep the law, circumcision, in order to be saved. So they, they thought they would add something to the work of Christ. And where, who did they go to? They went to the elders at Jerusalem. And when the elders met there, what happened? Well, Peter gave his testimony. Paul had given his testimony. They, the elders got together and said, look, we're not going to put the burden of the law on them. Now, they weren't talking about the moral law. They weren't talking about, you know, it's okay for you guys. You're Christians now. You can uh, steal and you can murder people and you can commit adultery and you dishonor your parents. You can perjure yourself. You can they weren't saying that at all. That was, that's just stupid. Christ died for those sins in order that you won't engage in them anymore, right? So they told them that, but they did throw out a couple of little things, right? That they said, you guys don't engage in this. And I think Paul would follow up later in his letter to the Romans and also to the Corinthians, and he would expound on that a little more as to why that was, okay? Especially in Romans. So, so that's what they did. But here, this issue of church autonomy yeah, those churches were by themselves and they conducted themselves, but they received instruction from the elders that were in Jerusalem. Do you see how that works? 
The elders in Jerusalem didn't say, well, wait a minute, these are autonomous churches. We can't tell them what to do. And, and we can't discipline them if, uh, if they're not going to do it. I mean, Paul wasn't a member. I, I really hate that kind of thing of membership thing because if we're in Christ, we're in the church. Okay, plain, plain and simple. Plain and simple. I, I don't have, there's not an issue of having to become a member at a church. If you profess Christ, you're a member, you're a member of his body and of his church. But here's, here's what they're doing. They're saying, well, we couldn't do anything because these churches are autonomous. And then they say, even if it meant that convicted molesters continued in ministry with no notice or warning of their current church or congregation. Now, I want to ask you something. Where does that come from? Where does that come from? It doesn't come from the Bible. Go read Matthew 18. You'll find the discipline process go on, and if it gets to a certain point where your brother won't listen to you or he won't listen to, to two or three witnesses, you go before the church, and the church is to excommunicate them. They are to put them out. They are to treat them as a public and a tax collector, right? Um, or as a heathen and a, and a tax collector. So they're, they're to be treated that way. And it's not because you hate the person, but Paul says it's so they be turned over to Satan, right, for the destruction of the flesh, that their soul might be saved. And you see that in 1 Corinthians 6, where he says you do that with the man who is having relations with his father's wife. And then in, in 2 Corinthians, you see where th that guy apparently took it to heart. They were to put him out of, ch out of the church. And uh, the we see that there was repentance there. And so that's that's a really good thing. Okay? That's how it should be. But these guys are willing to let convicted molesters go on and say, oh, we can't say anything about it. We can't go in there and say, hey, you guys have a problem and this, that, and the other. I mean, good grief. It's, it's, it's ridiculous. Anyway, continuing on. As survivors became more vocal and the issue of sexual abuse became more prominent in the media, divisions became apparent within EC leadership. Now, why should there be divisions? James says this, it's because of the lust going on inside of you, that there's divisions. But there became divisions in between this EC leadership, and in recent years, as some within the SBC have been more open to reforms, they were met with opposition and antagonism from those resistance to change, resistant to change. Finally, at the 2021 Nashville Convention, calls for reform reached a crescendo, and the messengers overwhelmingly voted to approve a task force to survive, or supervise an independent investigation into the EC's handling of sexual abuse allegations. The motion called for inquiry into the actions and decisions of EC staff and members from January 1st, 2000 to June 14th, 2021. With respect to allegations of abuse, mishandling of abuse, mistreatment of victims, patterns of intimidation or victims or advocates, and resistance to sexual abuse reform initiatives, our findings in these categories are summarized below. Let me hit these real quick, and I'm going to uh, hit a couple of other things that, that go on here as far as their recommendations. And it's long, so I can't read everything that's going on here, but... Just some of these things, it reminds me of, do you guys remember when uh, Jerry Falwell Jr. came out and they, they, what were they doing? Were they swinging? Is that what it was with him and his wife or whatever they were doing? And they were justifying. I mean, his father would have been flipping out. And, you know, I, I have to say, 
Jerry Falwell, there were things that I disagreed with his theology, but everybody I heard and the things that I saw, he put his money where his mouth was when he tackled the issues of the day. The homosexuals who had come to meet him said, I think he genuinely loves me. I disagree with him, but I think he genuinely loves me. He doesn't hate me. Uh, he, they would take in women who had become pregnant and they were looking for an abortion. They would take them in. They would take care of their babies. They would get them adoption or some of those. I mean, it was, it, it is, yeah. But his son, completely out there, and nobody's dealing with it. Why? Because they're autonomous. No, they're not. Can you imagine one of the tribes of Israel saying, no, 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 Moses, we're doing all this stuff over here. We're worshiping false gods, and we're engaged in sodomy, and we're adulterers and fornicators and all this. No. What did the prophets go do? Uh Uh-huh. They went to each they went to the tribes of Israel and they said, You're engaged in the sin, you've forgotten God, you've departed from him wickedly, and now you need to repent. You're engaged in these things. They didn't sit back and say, Oh, well, you're autonomous. We have no jurisdiction here. That's just nonsense. That's a lack of love for those people. I mean, it really is a lack of love for them. Here's the allegations of abuse by EC staff and members. As per the motion, we were asked to examine allegations of abuse committed by EC members during the relevant time period. During our investigation, an SBC pastor and his wife came forward to report that SBC president Johnny Hunt had sexually assaulted the wife on July the 25th, 2010. We include this sexual assault allegation in the report because our investigators found the pastor and his wife to be credible. The report was corroborated in part by a counseling minister and three other credible witnesses, and our investigations did not find Dr. Hunt's statements uh, re- related to the sexual allegation, assault allegation to be credible. But, but what, what did they do? We, we investigated. It's kind of like Congress. This is what I'm saying. A lot of this sounds very political. But we, we found them to be credible, and him not to be credible. What was done? Nothing. They just had an investigation, right? Sounds like Congress. We need to investigate this. We need to investigate. Well, when are you going to do something with the stuff that you investigate and you find that people are, are doing things? We asked that of Congress. I asked this of, of these guys. Mishandling of abuse allegations and mistreatment of victims. We considered these categories in tandem because abuse allegations were often mishandled in a manner that involved the mistreatment of survivors. Over the years, the EC's response to sexual abuse allegations was largely driven by senior EC staff members, particularly D. August Augie Bodo, or Bodo, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, Um, the EC general counsel and later interim EC president, as well as the SBC's long-serving outside counsel, James Gunther, James Jordan, and the firm of Gunther, Jordan, and Price. Their status and longevity in the SBC organization, Mr. Gunther, uh, had provided legal advice since 1996 and began in 1998 as vice president, uh, and so on. So here's some of the things that are that are there. Okay, and I'm, again, I'm going to have this document up. It's 288 pages, and there's just there's a lot of stuff, but there is some points that that I want to bring up here before we delve into you know what scripture says how how we deal with these things. While stories of abuse were minimized and survivors were ignored or even vilified, revelations came to light in recent years that some senior SBC leaders had protected or even supported the abusers. Here's five examples. 
Former SBC President Stephen Gaines or Steve Gaines admitted that a senior pastor at Bellevue Baptist Church, which is where Adrian Rogers used to be uh, before his passing, he had delayed reporting a staff minister's prior sexual abuse of a child of heartfelt concern and compassion for the minister, while acknowledging that he should have brought it to the attention of our church leadership immediately. Former SBC President Jack Graham, when he was pastor of Prestonwood Baptist Church, allegedly allowed an accused abuser of young boys to be dismissed quietly in 1989 without reporting the abuse to police. The accused abuser, John Langworthy, later was charged with abusing young boys in Mississippi in 2011. See what happens? Former SBC President Paige Patterson was terminated from his position at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2018 after it was revealed that he told a student not to report a rape in 2003 and in 2015 emailed his intention to meet with another student who had reported an assault with no officials present so he could, quote, break her down, end quote. Does, does that sound like... I want to It's obviously sinful. And I want to be careful here because what did David do? David was a man after God's own heart. And yet, instead of when he committed adultery with Bathsheba, he didn't, he didn't repent of that immediately. It was, it was a long period of time before he was confronted with Nathan. But he went and said, I'll cover it up by killing, you know, not, not actually killing, but setting the, setting the stage so that the woman's uh, Bathsheba's husband Uriah would be killed, so he premeditated putting him in a sent in a, in a, uh, a situation where he would most likely be killed. Former SBC Vice President Judge Paul Pressler is the defendant in the civil sexual abuse uh, lawsuit, alleging that he repeatedly sexually abused the plaintiff beginning when the plaintiff was fourteen years old. This was the SBC Vice President. Two other men submitted separate affidavits in the case, also accusing Judge Presser of sexual misconduct. And former EC interim, interim president and general counsel Augie Bodo, and I hope I'm pronouncing his name correctly there, testified as a character witness for Mark Shufflebane. Boy, I hope I got that one right, too. A gymnastics coach, coach convicted of multiple counts of sexual assault against a minor. During his testimony at a post-conviction evidentiary or excuse me, a post-conviction evidentiary hearing in September 2008, Mr. Bodo identified himself as general trial counsel for the executive committee of the Southern Baptist Convention. Now listen, it brings me no joy to have to even talk about this. Johnny Cerucci and I were speaking the other day, and the issue of of lust for men, especially in this age, and I can attest to it, um, it is virtually every man's battle, and it is. And it's one thing Jesus says, you know, that if we if we do that in our hearts, we're committing adultery. That's one thing. It's another thing to take it and to actually do it, uh, fulfill those those lusts, in whatever way. When it's taken out on the innocent here, that takes it to a whole nother level of what's going on here. And, you know, I could go down in the recommendations. My goodness. Um, 
I forget which page that was on. I think it was like 259. But we're coming up against the end of the show. So I'm just going to let everybody know. We're, we'll close out uh, in just a, a few minutes. And if you want to finish up with the rest of what we have to, what I have to say here, uh, you can catch that at sonsoflibertymedia.com, dlive.tv, the Sons of Liberty, or before it's news. But they had recommendations down here uh, at the bottom. And they want to establish an independent commission to implement and oversee reforms. Again, this sounds like it's politically charged rather than biblically based. I, you know, they're appealing to their bylaws. They're appealing to all this other stuff. I see. I mean, I, I see no scripture for what they're doing. Consider the creation of an administrative entity to provide a permanent resource for prevention and response efforts related to sexual abuse. And they've got all this stuff here. I, I don't see any scriptural references for it. Create and maintain a resource toolbox for prevention and response. Right? Here's another one. Provide support for establishing safe spaces through a self-certification program. Enhance prevention resources. I, I mean, again, adopt a declaration of principles. Yes, we need more words. <laughs> we're not going to point to the word. We were going to write more words, a declaration of principles. So everybody knows what we say we believe, even though we're not practicing it. Devote resources to survivor support. Those resources are people, by the way. I just read it to you out of Galatians. Those of you who are spiritual, you come along and you help restore the people. You, 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 but you have to deal with what they're having first, and then you look to restore them. That, that doesn't alleviate consequences that they may even, uh, be subject to for their actions. Consider prohibiting confidentiality agreements in sexual abuse matters. Yeah, they, they probably should do that. They, they should do that. Provide adequate funding for reforms. There's your money thing. Consider further defining Southern Baptist beliefs regarding sexual abuse. Um, <laughs> if the command, you shall not commit adultery, and all that that expounds out to is not clear. Again, why are you? This is Convention of States for the Southern Baptist Convention. That's what this is. We'll write more words to make sure everybody understands where they're on the same. We, we can't stick with what God has said. We're, we're just going to do this. And again, notice, no scripture references for all these reforms are doing. Improve governance at the SBC EC by creating the position of chief ethics and compliance officer. Yes, we need a pope of the uh, ethics commission. Establish a document retention policy. Enhance SBC EC compliance policies. Create a media plan to bring awareness to the issues of sexual abuse. It's not like we don't have that already. We'll finish this up on the other side. Guys, if you want to check us out, do so. SonsofLibertyMedia.com. Catch Bradley at 3 today. And we'll be back in the morning, Lord willing, with Kate Shimrani, 8 a.m. tomorrow. See you. All right. Uh, welcome, everybody, coming over from Red State Talk Radio. I mean, create a media plan to bring awareness to issues of sexual abuse. Have, wasn't that what the whole Me Too movement was about? Are, are people ignorant that sexual abuse takes place? I mean, we've had 6,000 years of human history. We, we know these things happen. We've had uh, untold stories, and um, Johnny has recounted some of those out of the Roman church where they do it with the priests, the, the pedophiles, and the, the sodomites and that how it's swept under the rug. It's not like we don't know these things. 
there is tremendous awareness of this kind of stuff that goes on. Here's some more. Acknowledge the survivors of SBC clergy sexual abuse. Now, here's the thing. I'm not one that necessarily says you bring people up and you acknowledge them, you make a big scene. Because, look, those people oftentimes, in a, in a genuine situation where they've been to me, that's the last thing you need to do. You need to come alongside them and support them. But I, you know, I don't know about this acknowledging all this other. I don't know what all they have in mind of doing that. But we should come and support those who have been harmed. This is one of the issues uh, of why I think the um, the political establishment have gone after you can have an abortion in the case of rape and incest. No, you can't. You really shouldn't. And we should come alongside those people understanding wasn't their choice or maybe in some cases, maybe it was. I don't know. But at least in the issue of a real, real rape that takes place, it wasn't their fault. And we should come alongside them and support them and get behind them and, uh, and build them up, right? But we're not to tear them down. Here's some of the other ones. Enhance awareness of sexual abuse within the SBC entities. Implement principles for Baptist press. <laughs> am, am I missing something here? Is the, is the Southern Baptist Convention actually telling me that the the people in the Southern Baptist Convention don't know the Ten Commandments? Because it sounds like what they're saying is, our people are ignorant and stupid. They don't know things, so we're going to do all this other stuff to make sure everybody's aware that sexual sin is sin. Sexual abuse is sin. <laughs> I, that's what it sounds like they're doing to me. That's what it sounds like. Alternative recommendation if no new administrative entity is created. Okay, so let's let's see what they got. No, no, no new entities are created. None of the stuff that they're talking about. They've got s several things here. And again, I resource toolbox, self-certification programs, I, all this stuff. Consider the ideal composition of the CC to support sexual abuse. Submit. I mean, again. These are political answers to spiritual problems. They're political answers to spiritual problems. The real answer to this is to drive men to the scriptures of what they say and then to drive them to Christ. You put the law to them to show them their sin and then you drive them to Christ. Now, again, in these cases here where there's sexual abuse that's going on, it's probably going to involve the authorities, too. doesn't take away that consequence, but at the same time, this is a spiritual problem. It is not a political problem, and they're treating it like one. Maybe this is why, as a young Christian, when I used to see preachers come in and they would have these... these um, conferences and they would usually bring in somebody running for office somebody had been in a public office this and i remember one year and i think i've shared this with you guys they brought dan quail in and i remember going it was like two or three days or whatever we'd go we'd sit and you know a lot of the preaching was actually pretty good the guys that they had but what happened was 
And after they would do it, all these pastors, you know, it was, a, it was a chance for pastors to be encouraged instead of them constantly giving out as a time for them to feed, you know, from, from their brothers. And after every, almost every message, man, there would be applause because the word of God had been preached in a context. And I can remember that it, it was actually done that way. And then they brought in Dan Quayle. And I'll guarantee you for three minutes, everybody was on their feet applauding that guy. And they did it when he left, too. And even as a young Christian, I kind of go, what happened here? You know, you give a 20-second applause, maybe even a standing ovation in some cases. And then this political guy comes in. And it, you see what I'm saying? It's a political thing rather than what's based upon the Word of God. So let me give you a couple of instances here. Um, some things that came to my mind. And, you know, Proverbs 5 and 6 speak of, you know, gaining wisdom. And it warns about for the man to be careful, the strange woman or the harlot. And it warns of what will happen if you go after her. So I'm not going to read all of Proverbs 5 and 6, but just kind of listen to the start. My son, attend to my wisdom, bow thine ear to my understanding, that thou mayest regard discretion, and that thy lips may keep knowledge. For the lips of a strange woman drop as a honeycomb, and her mouth is smoother than oil. Boy, she's a smooth talker, Betty Crocker. That's, this is what he's talking about. She'll tell you anything she, you want to hear, how handsome you are, how smart you are, you know, what a great man you are and stuff to entice you. But he says, but her end is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps take hold of hell. Lest thou shunnest ponder the path of life, her ways are movable, that thou canst not know them. Hear me now, therefore, O ye children, and depart not from the words of my mouth. Remove thy way from her, come not nigh the door of her house, lest thou give thine honor unto others and thy years unto the cruel one, lest strangers be filled with thy wealth, and thy labors be in the house of a stranger, and thou mourn at the last when thy flesh and thy body are consumed, and say, How I have hated instruction, and my heart despised reproof, and have not obeyed the voice of my teachers, nor inclined mine ear to them that instructed me. Okay, and then you go, and then he 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 gives the remedy. Here's the remedy he gives: drink water waters out of thine own cistern, and rivers of water in the streets. Let them be thine own, and not strangers with thee. Let thy fountain be blessed, and rejoice with the wife of thy youth. Let her be as the loving hind and pleasant roe. Let her breast satisfy thee at all times, and be thou ravished always with her love. And yes, there is obviously the sexual connotation here. Those of you who are adults, you should get this of what he's saying. I shouldn't have to go into it. But he's saying, you know, you have your own wife. And Paul talks about that, you know, um, not burning in lust, but to marry. Marriage is a good thing. I hear some guys go, oh, no, Paul really wanted everybody to be uh, celibate. Well, he said, if you've got that gift, if you can be that way, I'd prefer you be like me, because then you can give yourself wholly to the Lord to do the ministry that's before you. Because the man who gets married has his obligation with his wife, right? 
So there's a warning here for men, okay? But there's also a warning, or there's a warning against the, how should we say, the adulterous woman. And you can, this goes on in chapter six too, by the way. I'm, I just, I want to hit some of these so that we get a, an idea of what's going on. Well, what about the warning about men, especially those in position of teaching? Now, 2 Peter 2, if you've never read it, is one of the clearest passages. If you want to see what a false teacher is, this ought to paint a picture. In fact, as I'm reading this, you'll probably think of names of people. Okay? Here's what he says. But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false prophets among you, or false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many show their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness. But what is covetousness? What's the mother of all sins, right? Because it's desire. It's, it's akin to lust. You're wanting something that somebody else. That's why the 10th commandment says, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor his ox, nor his, excuse me, nor his maidservant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor any other thing that is your neighbor's. Okay? And a covetous man is an idolater, Paul says. Okay? So, verse 3, And through covetousness, covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumber, slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah, the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemning them with an overthrow, making them an example unto those that after should live ungodly, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked. I mean, he's in, he's literally in Sodom, right? And yet, Lot made some bad choices, especially about his daughters and things. We know that. And yet, the scripture says, for that righteous man, he's talking about Lot, and this is the word of God, this is the spirit of God. The righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. He was bothered by it. He lived in the midst of it, but he was bothered by it. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust unto the day of judgment to be punished. Keep in mind, he's talking about false teachers here. But chiefly them that walk after the flesh in the lust of uncleanness and despise government, presumptuous are they, self-willed, they are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. See, and I, I, there's something here, they despise government. Now, stop and think about that. The SBC wants to say, well, the church is autonomous, so you know, we, can't, we can't govern that. We can't deal with that. That's not in our jurisdiction. That's how some people would say. Baloney. Are they Christian brothers? Then, then you have to deal with them. And I'm not saying you have to go in there you know, with a stick and beat people or something like that. That's not, what, that's not what you're to do. But these people despise government. Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. I mean, even the angels don't do that. But these, and by the way, I missed that part. Presumptuous are they, self-willed. They are not afraid to speak evil of dignitaries. 
Whereas angels, which are greater in power and might, bring not railing accusation against them before the Lord. The idea is these people don't understand the creation and they don't understand the glory and the power of the angels. In fact, Jude goes on. He says the false teachers that Peter's saying are coming are here. And these guys do the same thing, whereas he says, you know, Michael in fighting over the body of Moses didn't, you know, unleash and, and call Satan all kinds of names. He just said, the Lord rebuke you. Now, how many people do you hear on Christian television, you know, slamming Satan, demons, and all this, and calling them all kinds of names, and treating them as though they are nothing. Listen, friends, those creatures are powerful. Of course, Christ has stripped them of their power. Don't get me wrong. But there's, there's this idea that they are still somewhat glorious in who they are and that we should be careful about how we speak about them. But the false teacher is, doesn't think about that. Are you guys thinking of some names right now? See, some of this it paints a clear picture is what uh, Peter does. He goes on. He said, but these are as natural brute beasts made to be taken and destroyed, speak evil of the things that they understand not and shall utterly perish in their own corruption and shall receive the reward of unrighteousness as they that count it pleasure to riot in the daytime. Spots they are and blemishes, sporting themselves with their own deceivings while they feast with you. Having eyes full of adultery, and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling unstable souls, and heart that have exercised with covetous practices, cursed children. Which have forsaken the right way and are gone astray, following the way of Balaam, the son of Bezor, or Bozer, who loved the wages of unrighteousness. And what is that? What is that way? Because we see that over in the book of Revelation uh, in one of the churches that Christ addressed. What is that? Remember, Balaam, he was a uh, he was a prophet, uh, but he was a prophet for hire. So he was not a non-prophet. OK, he was a prophet for profit. And. Every time he went to go up and curse Israel, what happened? Blessings came out of his mouth. God even controlled his tongue. Okay? If you don't believe that God controls even the false prophet tongues, if he wants to do that, just look at the high priest when they, uh, uh, they were looking to murder Jesus. And the Bible says that the high priest stood up and he, he prophesied, saying, it's better that one man die for the nation than for the whole nation to go under. Right? So what does, Balaam, what does Balaam end up doing? Because he can't bring a curse on Israel. He tells, he tells Balak, he says, hey, if you send in, okay, if you send in, um, you know, let them intermarry with foreign women. That will lead them after foreign gods, which is what God warned them about, and which was, that was Solomon's downfall. All the foreign women. Because they were leading him, if you read it, they were leading him to go after gods he had not known. They led him into idolatry. The wisest man who ever lived, and I think Salt was saying this in the chat the other day, he was kind of, he was really foolish, and he was. And I think that just proves to us that even though God gave him tremendous wisdom, he was still a man. He wasn't God. 
He was just as much in need of the Savior as we are. But that's what that's what the, the doctrine of Balaam was. And you can read that also in Revelation where, where God says, you know, you've got to deal with stuff like that. You can't say the church is autonomous. So therefore, we're not going to deal with sin among Christian brothers. Come on. And so he goes on and he says, but was rebuked for his iniquity. The dumb ass. Remember, he had the, the, the ass that he was writing. And it stopped because it saw the angel in the way. Right? And Balaam is kicking the donkey, trying to get it to go to the left, trying to get it to the right. The donkey slams his leg into the wall, and he's off, and he's beating the donkey. The donkey's looking at him like, hadn't I served you a long time? Hadn't I been a good donkey? Why are you beating me? And he rebukes Balaam. And then Balaam sees what the donkey had protected him from, an angel with a flaming sword. The dumbass speaking... And I think that's where you get the term dumbass. I really do think that's where you get it. The dumbass speaking with man's voice forbade that the madness of the prophet. These are wells, these false teachers. These are wells without water, clouds that are carried with the tempest, to whom the midst of darkness is reserved forever. For when they speak great swelling words of vanity, they allure through the lust of the flesh, through much wantonness, those that were clean escape from them who live in error. And while they promise them liberty, this one is a big one right here. Listen, listen carefully. While they promise them liberty, they themselves are the servants or slaves of corruption. For of whom a man is overcome, of the same is he brought into bondage. What does Jesus say? If you submit yourselves to sin, you become the slaves of sin. And Christ has set us free from the bondage of sin that we might become, you might not like this term, but slaves of righteousness. There's a difference. And then he says this, For if after they have escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled therein and overcome, the latter end is worse with them than the beginning. For it had been better for them not to have known the way of righteousness than after they have known it to turn from the holy commandment delivered unto them. But it has happened unto them, according to the true proverb, the dog has turned to his own vomit again, the sow that was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I, re I recall, you know, the house being swept uh, of the demon in the man and seven more return. Okay, because he didn't fill it with what he should have filled it with. And the house I'm talking about is his, his own vessel, his own body. So you can see in 2 Peter 2, he'll lay out for you a false teacher. They want money, they want sexual favors. That, that's identifying marks of false teachers. That they, that's what they live for. Okay? A um, couple others. Let me give you the example of... When a man is faced with this, and you know, this would be the same thing with a woman, because we can go to, I think it's Deuteronomy 22. I didn't even, that just came to mind now. But Deuteronomy 22 deals with all these different um, uh, sexual relations that happen where uh, you have maybe uh, a man who uh, lies with a woman who's been married, which is adultery. She is to cry out. Okay? She is to cry out. Of course, if she's in the country and she cries out, nobody can come to rescue. But He's to be put to death, not her, if she cries out. If she doesn't cry out, she's going along with it. You have uh, 
uh, several scenarios there. I think it's in Deuteronomy 22, if I'm not mistaken. Let me just um, give me just a second, and I'll bring that up because I don't I don't want to um, uh, misquote that. But let's see. See, it was in here. Slide down just a little bit. Um. Yes. Okay. So you, you've got things from 13 on. Uh, Deuteronomy 22. If any man takes a wife and go in unto her and hate her and give her occasion of speech against her and bring up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came to her, I found her not a maid or a virgin. Then, the, then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity. Now, what is that? I'm not going to be graphic here, but when they would go in on their wedding night, there would be a sheet and the, for lack of a better term, the deflowering of the woman would happen. There would be evidence of that in blood on the sheet. That sheet would be given to the father uh, so that they couldn't come back later and say, well, she wasn't a virgin. Okay, so that's what they're going to bring out to the elders of the city of the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hateth her. And lo, he hath given occasion to speak of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet there are tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city. The elders of the city shall take that man and chastise him. And they shall immerse him in an hundred shekels of silver uh, and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought upon an evil name upon a virgin in Israel, and she shall be his wife, and he may not put her away all his days. Would you like to be in that situation? I guess he learned his lesson real quick, though. And if this be true, and the tokens of the virginity be not found for the damsel, then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of her father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die, because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put away the evil from among you. But understand, this starts with the jurisdiction of the home, the father. Okay? And then he says this, he gives these different scenarios. If a man be found lying with a woman married to an husband, then they shall both of them die. Both the man that lay with the woman and the woman, so shalt thou put away evil from Israel. Keep that one in mind when you read the story where everybody says, Oh, you know, one without sin cast the first stone. It's not about that. It's about not following the law. Okay? It's about not following the law. They brought the woman. They didn't bring the man. They said they called him in the, in the, in the act. If a damsel that is a virgin be betrothed unto a husband and a man find her in the city and lie with her, then you shall bring them both out into the gate of the city and you shall stone them with stones that they may die. The damsel, because she cried not, so she's going to be complicit in it, being in the city, and the man, because he hath humbled his neighbor's wife, so thou shalt put away evil from among you. See, if the woman cries out saying, he's, he's raping me, he's, you know, she's screaming in the city, She's not held accountable for his actions, but if she goes along with it, there you go. But if a man find a betrothed damsel in the field, and the man force her and lie with her, then the man only that lay with her shall die. But unto the damsel thou shalt do nothing. There is in the damsel no sin worthy of death, for as when a man riseth against his neighbor and slayeth him, even so is this matter. For he found her in the field, and the betrothed damsel cried, and there was none to save her. If a man find a damsel that is a virgin, which is not betrothed, 
and lay hold on her and lie with her, and they be found, then the man that lay with her shall give unto the damsel's father fifty shekels of silver, and she shall be his wife, because he hath humbled her, he may not put her away all his days. A man shall not take his father's wife, nor discover his father's skirt. Now, this part right here, some people have said it's it, this is an issue of rape. But I got to tell you, this sounds like two people who've been flirting and neither of them are married uh, because it goes on and it says, um, they be found. It's both of them. So this is a fornication situation in which you've got you know two people who like each other a lot and they become impassioned and this is what's going on and so now he's got to give dad 50 shekels of silver he's got to take the woman as his wife because he humbled her he wasn't supposed to do that he was supposed to wait he was supposed to marry her and he was supposed to take care of her so just wanted to hit that uh, real quick and then there's um uh, just a couple of other passages to deal with and a lot of these address the men themselves because really the commandments when you look at them they are dealing with their instructions to the fathers, us as, as husbands and fathers, uh, as to what we're to do, as to what we're to teach our, our families. Remember Deuteronomy 6, they're to be in our hearts, and we're to teach them diligently in our children. And uh, one of those comes from uh, Genesis chapter uh, 39 as well. And you remember Joseph's brothers sold him into slavery. And what happens there? Well, let's look. He goes down into Egypt. He's taken into the house of Potiphar, pretty prominent, powerful man in Egypt. It came to pass from the time that he had made him overseer in his house and over all that he had that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand and he knew not aught he had save the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. So. Joseph showed that he could be a trusted steward, right? He was given control over the Potiphar's house. This guy who had come from you know, a foreign land, who was a slave, he was entrusted by Potiphar. It came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. You know, she, she did this right here. And, and, and she was... Flirting with him. Okay. And she was very forward. And she said, lie with me. But he refused and said unto his master's wife, Behold, my master wadeth not what is with me in the house. In other words, he's given me control over all the house, and he hath committed all that he hath into my hand. There is none greater in this house than I, neither hath he kept back anything from me but thee. Because thou art his wife. How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? And it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day. This wasn't a one-time thing. She's coming on to Joseph constantly. That he hearkeneth not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business and there was none of the men in the house there within. This is a troubled place. I think this is partially an issue that God would see coming of man being by himself. Okay? 
As she spake to Joseph day by day, that he hearkened not unto her to lie by her or to be with her. And it came to pass about this time that Joseph went into the house to do his business. There was none of the men of the house there within. And she caught him by his garment, saying, Lie with me. This is, the, this is literally the Proverbs 5 and 6 woman. And he left his garment in her hand and fled and got him out. And it came to pass when she saw that she that he had left his garment in her hand and was fled forth, that she called unto the men of house and spake unto them, saying, See, he hath brought in an Hebrew unto us to mock us. He came in unto me to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. <sighs> and then what happened to Joseph? Here's the woman who has broken the ninth commandment. And Joseph gets thrown in prison. Of course, all of it in God's providence. Joseph doesn't seem upset seeing God's providence. And we read about it in Genesis 50. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. He could say that to his brothers. I'm sure he could say it probably to Potiphar's wife here. But Joseph was one who had integrity. When he was put in that situation, he got out. By the way, I want to say, if you're a woman who is listening, um, who is in this Southern Baptist Convention, and you have one of these men come on to you, you scream and shout and you do whatever you got to do to get away from that person. And if they're trying to hold you down, you do whatever you have to. Get my drift? There's a place between the legs on a man that is very sensitive. You can deal with that real quick. You need to be one of these women who shout and scream and call it out and call for help. You really, you really need to do that to protect yourself. And if you're one of these men who are doing this, you need to repent. We, we don't need a committee and all this political language and all this money thrown at an issue. The message is simple. You need to repent. And you need to turn to Christ. Again, this is not complicated. This, what we read from God, this is just ridiculous. It's ridiculous that the church doesn't have the simplicity of the gospel that calls men to repentance, that calls them to submit to the Lordship of Christ, and when they're in sin, to do the same thing. Those who are believers, when they sin, to call them to the same thing and to come alongside them. But not only them, but for those they victimized to come alongside them and build them up. Because you know what? Those people have been trained that that's a stigma on them. And it's not. So we have to do both. Let me hit a couple of small, smaller passages. They're not narratives like this. But um, here's, a, here's, a, here's a context of a few things. I think this is where I wanted to be. <laughs> I brought up several scriptures, and I, I think... If a man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And part of the issue here that I see is that here's what they're doing. They're not, they're not um, consenting to wholesome words, the words of the Lord Jesus. I, 
There's 289 pages in there. And I don't, I, I don't recall reading scripture in there at all. It was all men's words. It was all men's reforms. It was all men's, you know, musings and political at that, not biblical and not spiritual things to deal with the issues at hand. Here's another one. This comes from 2 Timothy 2.22. Um, Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having the seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lusts, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strifes. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient. Boy, sometimes those are tested in some situations, aren't they? In meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance. For those of you who think men can just repent and have faith and all on their own, notice what Paul says, if God peradventure will what? Give them repentance. They don't have it. To the acknowledging of the truth, Jeremiah would say it rightly in Lamentations, Lord, turn us, or we could say, repent us or give us repentance and we'll be repentant or we'll turn. We'll turn. Same thing there. Men are dependent upon God for the very demands that he demands of us. When he says we have to have faith in Christ, when he says that we have to be repentant, when he says that we have to forgive, when we, he says we have to teach and be patient, we're dependent upon him to, to put that in us because we, by nature, don't have that. We just don't. We don't have that ability. Now, let me say this. For those of you who might say, well, Tim, you're, you're kind of on a, a holy roller thing, and you're putting yourself on a high horse. No, let me, let me share something. And I, I, don't, I don't revel in my sin or my wickedness. You, you don't hear me doing that. But look, I've been here. I, I've, I, I've dealt with fornication. I've dealt with um, adultery. I've dealt with por pornography. I've dealt with other sins that I've committed against God. I'm no better than the sodomites who are, who are gathering down at the pride parade. It, it's in me. I have nothing to boast to anybody about me. I, nothing. Literally, there's, <laughs> there's nothing I can boast about except Christ. Because the only righteousness I have, the only goodness I have would come from Christ. It's not, it doesn't come from me. But how do you get there? Well, somebody's got to preach the true saving gospel about the Son of God who left heaven came to earth, lived under the law perfectly as the second Adam, because our, our first father, Adam, didn't do it. 
And so therefore, we're in Adam or we're in Christ. And he lived his life perfectly before the Lord. Every, can you imagine every thought, every intention, every action, every word was for the glory of God? Can you imagine somebody living a year like that? Can you imagine 33 years living like that? I, I think in my mind, you know, Jesus' brothers and sisters must have been sort of frustrated. They'd do something wrong, and mom or dad would say, why can't you be more like Jesus? <laughs> you know? Can you imagine living in the shadow of the Lord Jesus growing up? I mean, just... And it should have been a thing to show them their own sin, but probably was more of a problem, right? He lived that, and they put him to death because he told them the truth, and he pointed them to the law, which Paul says is the, ta is the taskmaster, is the teacher, is the, is the tutor to drive us to the person of Christ. And not only did he die for his people, giving his life for their sin, but they took him and buried him, thinking he's done away with. And three days later, what happens? He overcomes death and hell and the grave too. So he not only overcame sin, specifically for us, but he overcame death, hell, and the grave. That's why he says, those who believe in me will never die. And if you die, and he's talking about the physical death, you'll live. Why? Because Christ is the resurrection. He is the resurrection. When Martha came out and Mary and Lazarus is there and he's going to call him out of the tomb, what does he say? He says, do you believe he can live? Oh, yeah, we, the, we know the last day's coming and, and the resurrection's coming. And he's like, he doesn't even address that. He just says, I'm the resurrection. Amen. He is. And not only did he rise from the dead, but the Bible tells us that he ascended back to the Father and he specifically told his disciples on the night of his betrayal, he, when he says, if I don't go to the Father, he says, it's necessary, I go to the Father. Else, I can't send you the paraclete, the one who comes alongside, the, the comforter, the Holy Spirit. I can't send him to you unless I go back to the Father. By the way, when he says he's another will come, he's talking about another of the same substance. I'm going to send you the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead. He's got the same substance as Jesus. He's got the same substance as the Father. That is, he's part of the Godhead. And so when he gets there, he sends the Holy Spirit to his people, and guess what else happens? He intercedes for us, and even when we get to a place, how many of you have been to a place where you don't know what to pray? You know you need God to do something, but you don't know what to pray. Well, the Bible says that's why he's given us the paraclete, the Holy Spirit. He prays for us when we don't know what to pray. And how does that prayer go? Well, it goes to the Father, but there's a mediator, and that's Christ Jesus. It's not, a, it's not a Roman Catholic priest. It's not Mary. It's not the saints. It's not anybody else. There is one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. And as he sits on his throne, ruling and reigning from heaven, 1 Corinthians 15, one of my favorite passages, 
He is subduing all his enemies. And let me tell you something. There are many of you out there who are the enemies of God, just like I was. And how did God subdue us? With the good news of Christ. The message of grace to sinners. Calling them to repentance. Calling them to submit to the king. And what we thought was, well, we'll just be some subjects of the king. He said, nope. Bring out the robe. Put a ring on his finger. Some shoes on his feet. Let's have a feast. For my son who was lost has come home. That can be you if you're a person out there that doesn't know Christ. That's the thing. He calls you to repentance, but again, you got to come on his terms. You don't make your terms up with God. He's given you the terms of surrender. And I promise you, he's faithful to what he said he would do. Um, I hope this is helpful. Um, I, I, I hope some people on this Southern Baptist EC sexual abuse task force, and all, I, I hope somebody can put some of this in their hands. Not that I, I, I'm, I have great flowery words or I'm a better teacher than anybody else or I can say it better. But my point is I want to drive people that, Let's quit looking at these political kind of things. Let's quit looking at building committees to deal with spiritual issues. We're to do this as brothers. If we're too big, if your convention or whatever is too big that you can't deal with spiritual issues in a biblical fashion and you're going the political route, maybe you ought to think about disbanding that or repenting. But I hope somebody can put some of this in some of their hands to see you're going the wrong way. This is not what the Bible would call us to do. And I can assure you, just as I put in the title on the video platforms, the Southern Baptist Convention sexual abuse and why it will most likely continue because they're not dealing with it as a spiritual issue. They're dealing with it as a political issue. The SBC as a whole was in need of repentance. We all are in need of repentance in some area or another, but on this issue, and you guys, you got to start dealing with spiritual issues, with spiritual solutions, and that comes from the Word of God. It's not going to come through all of your fancy committees and the money you throw at it and all this other stuff. I mean, that sounds like <laughs> D.C. to me. doesn't sound like the, the people of God, but that's what, that's what we need to see. That's really what we need to see. Bradley will be on with you guys at 3 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Central, sonsoflibertymedia.com. Again, we'll be back with Kate in the morning. Boy, I kept you over long. I, I'm sorry about that. I only meant to take like 15 minutes, but you know the preacher in me gets out there, and so that's what happens. Anyway, we'll see you, Lord willing, at 8 a.m. in the morning. See you.